So today I'm joined by Van Davis and Johnny Vines. If you guys would introduce yourselves and tell us why we're talking to you today. I'm Van Davis. I used to be the director of the Southwest Alabama Police Academy at Faulkner College. I'm Johnny Vines, and I was the bookkeeper and secretary. Okay. So um, tell me, uh, so, so Van, it's my understanding that you were there from the beginning with the Southwest Alabama Police Academy, with the establishment at Faulkner. Is that correct? I came in class number three. I guess you could say yes from the beginning because it was actually getting started. I think they had, had two six-week classes before I got there, but I was the first assistant director as such. And so what, what year was that? It was 1973. And so when the can you walk us through the establishment of the different community colleges? Be glad to. When the Alabama Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission Act was developed, APOST, as they referred to it, and, and it brought about a certification group that was going to oversee the operation of four academies in the state of Alabama. Yes, sir. You have got to consider at that time the only academy in the state of Alabama was located in Montgomery. It was a Department of Public Safety Academy that could train outside personnel. And you look at a state the size of Alabama and 67 counties, what you had was a situation where if you were from a small town, you would not get any type of police training whatsoever unless you put your name on a list. And then maybe two or three or four years later when they had an opening in one of their existing academies that they would run like two or three a year, they would probably bring you one of you in to that class, you know, somebody from your department. So after 71, with the establishment of these different schools, did you have to be APOS certified before you could go to be employed as a police officer, or were these guys who were sergeants with 30 years, they were just kind of grandfathered? We were grandfathered. Now, when APOS, the certification committee, APOS, when they started, when they came into existence, they had an executive secretary named Walker Hobby, and he had a secretary, <laughs> I mean, and he had a secretary that worked a clerical him, person, a clerical person, and they in turn went around the state. I mean, they went around the state. I think they went to the city uh, uh, league of municipalities or whatever, and got the number of people that were trained that were working as police officers. I was working with the Opelika Police Department at that time. So what was your position there? I was a patrolman. Uh, and were you, had you done any training officer type stuff before? I had a lot of training in the military, but okay. I, I was an exception. I, what I was was a grandfather, and they issued grandfather certificates. In fact, I've got one on my wall at home that shows that you were in, you were in service as a, performing as a law enforcement officer at the time that this act came into effect and you were grandfathered in. So anybody, if you moved here from Georgia and had been a sergeant, you had to go to a post or do you think they'd be grandfathered to you? I know that's kind of a curveball, but they would have, they would have been, they would have been grandfathered going. They would have been grandfathered if they went to that when they, let's say they evergreens where I'm from originally. Yes, let's say a guy from Georgia came to evergreen at that time. And he was a police officer. He would have still been grandfathered regardless of his training and all, because he was working before that act. I got you. So tell us where the first four police academies were established and what year, if you know. In 1972, they all started operation at one time. I think it was August, September 
of that period uh, because, I, as I said, I wasn't in the first two classes it started up. But the fact is they started about that time, and there was one located at the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa. There was one located at Faulkner State College in Baymanette. There was one located at uh, the Enterprise State Junior College in uh, Coffee County, which is over near Dothan, the Wiregrass area, for your listeners. And then at the same time, there was one in in, uh, Jacksonville at the academy there. There were four academies, and there were regions that were broken down, as I show you on this sheet of paper. Yes, sir. And we'll have that on our Facebook page for people to look at. Okay. Anyway, that was there. And they were put there for the simple reason it was the most cost-effective way and probably one of the best operational programs that was ever developed because they divided the state into sections. Into four quadrants. Four quadrants. Those quadrants did not train city departments. At that time, there was a Mobile Police Academy. Okay. I really wasn't operating as such then, but it, there was that academy. It wasn't doing a lot of training is what I'm saying. They got, they got an excellent facility now. The thing about it is there was Mobile, there was a city of Montgomery, there was a city of Birmingham, and there was the city of Huntsville. Okay. Those were the bigger cities at that time in the state of Alabama. And they had their own training center where they would train municipal officers for, for, for their own force. For their own force. Okay. Now, what occurred was they were looking for a program that would serve these outlying regions. Now, you look at this area that we're in, what is what you call southwest Alabama. And we're in the very south of southwest <laughs> Alabama. Right. Yes, right. They picked Faulkner College, just like they did these other locations I've said for the following reasons. They had dormitories. They had a cafeteria. They had physical fitness areas for people to work out, things of that nature. I remember seeing the old uh, obstacle course down at the track. (laughs) Right. When I was in high school, we'd go down there and run that. Yeah. Yeah. We'd had to run this. They all had to run the track and I meant the obstacle course and run laps and all that to to certify. You had and you also were given educational continuing education credits. So did did they get? It's my understanding they got something like six. They were dual enrolled in Faulkner if they went to Swapa and they got something like sixty hours. Sixteen hours. Sixteen hours. Sixteen of, hours. Of college credit. We were we were all quarter then. Right, right. When I was there. Auburn was still a quarter yeah. when I went. Yeah, it's like believe it or not. Yeah, I know what you mean. So, so my understanding is, uh, just looking from a legal perspective, okay, uh, <laughs> the act that created a post under the Code of Alabama is thirty six twenty one forty four, thirty six twenty one forty five, and thirty six twenty one forty seven point one. The this law was not amended until two thousand ten. And this law says that you guys are to be paid by the colleges and that you're to be public employees under the state retirement system. Correct. Is that your understanding? Yeah. Yes. Um, so what brings us here today? Um, so it, my understanding is uh, reading through and, and just the big reveal is um, there were allegations that uh, – there was some kind of impropriety going on, financial impropriety going on at SWAPA. Um, they put you, all of the employees on admin leave 
sent a man down to investigate along with someone from the examiners of public accounts, even though you've never been audited since 1971 by anybody from the examiners, they find one issue and they shut the whole school down. Is, is that right? That's exactly what they that's, did. That's the nutshell of the, of the situation. So my question is, um, and it's my understanding that this was a tactical move by the APOS board to go in and so just it's my understanding the first takedown of a school was in Tuscaloosa. Am I right about that? Correct. So tell me who was running the school, who was running APOS, how did that happen, and then did they, and it's my understanding they went from Tuscaloosa to Jacksonville, did the same thing, and then the same playbook down here in Baymanette. Is Correct. That, is that right? Correct. So, so start at the beginning and tell us who was in Tuscaloosa and and Ron, how all that happened. Ron Hope was in Tuscaloosa, and they ran all the, all the regional academies. And when I use that, this is what they were, we always were referred to as the regional academies. All the regional academies had a director, they had instructors, and they had a secretary and, you know, secretary, bookkeeper, however you wanted to utilize these people. Yes, sir. And in our, in our case, we were operating no differently than these other academies were. We, we operated beautifully for years, you know, inter, interrelated with each other. And so my understanding is that you got a paycheck from Faulkner State Junior College. All of your employees did. And, it, and, they, and, they, and they did all the withholding and everything they were supposed to and paid your taxes for you and, and did all that. And at the end of the month, Faulkner would send an invoice over and you'd repay them out of APOS funds for your staff. Is that is that how it functioned? Correct. All all these academies work that way. So the same with the Tuscaloosa Academy. Those people were quasi public employees under the University of Alabama system. Correct. Okay. So tell us when did Alan Benefield come there? Was he involved in this first takedown? Uh, who was the investigator? How did it all take place? Alan Benefield came to the academies in nineteen. I I would like to say somewhere around. 19 he what happened is they changed mayors in uh, in, Ozark, in Ozark where he was the police chief where he was police chief so he had he needed a job and he ended up and since he had been working been on the commission he ended up uh in, ended up with the job of so the com- so he was on the commission needed a job so he resigns from the commission and is appointed executive secretary that's the way I I guess anyway so when I read your trial transcript Here's the thing that's telling to me, and this is what I want people to remember about this conversation. It was Mr. Benefield's testimony um, when presented with the law that I just read that the APOST board could only hire two employees. One was the executive secretary and then some kind of clerical person. Correct. So... The sheriff of Bowen County claims it cost $120,000 to hire a man, equip him, send him to school, and have him ready to go on as a road deputy. So when I heard that, that's when my ears went up about, well, why in the world, you know, whatever happened to SWAPA? Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, continue with your story. Tell me what happened. So Mr. Benefield needs a job. He, he's on the board. He finds himself. He gets the executive secretary position. Is it at that time that he hires the gentleman from Ozark to be the investigator? I believe it was shortly after that time. Okay, so Tuscaloosa happened first. Tuscaloosa happened first. All right, tell us how Tuscaloosa went down. It went down 
from what I was told, it, it went down the same way that we went down with an investigation and how what all was done or anything. It was totally kept from any of us, so I don't know it, but they closed it down. They, they closed the school. So is it like SWAPA? There's just a void. Is there is there a school there now? There's they moved the program to the to the Tuscaloosa Police Department training facility. They not they have a police academy in Tuscaloosa. Okay, but it's not associated with the university anymore. It's not associated with the university as I understand it. Okay, so let's move on to Jacksonville. Who was who was running in Jacksonville? Jacksonville was Joe Sparks. And he was from he was a former chief of police at, at, at I, I want to say at, uh, Jacksonville or a former chief somewhere in that immediate area, and and he just quit. He just he showed up at a commission meeting and stood up and said, "I quit." He said, "I've had enough." I've had enough. I quit. And, and so, what happened to his staff and all the people there? What happened to his staff? I think one was retained and. Uh, the other one was other one found another job. I think they removed him too. I mean, I, I don't really know when the invest. What happened is, is when they started in on these academies, it sort of like became a closed session. You heard rumors, but you know you can't you can't really. It's see. an ongoing investigation, an ongoing, yeah. And they're public employees, and we really can't talk about it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I, I've heard the song yeah. and dance many times. Well, that's what happened there, and that was the end of that one. Now the wiregrass area was totally different. That the wiregrass the operational program sort of vanished on its own. It vanished on its own because it became the Enterprise Driving Academy. They chose to go over and do training. They then moved SWAPA to a, a branch of my operation, went over to Houston County and started training basic classes out of Dothan. Okay. So we were training all of South Alabama at this time. Well, the driving academy was doing real well. They were, prevent, were presenting driving schools, for high, an excellent program, and they were carrying it around the state to different locations, and they were training at each academy, each of the four regional academies, uh, driver safety and aspects of pursuit driving and all, and it, they really did a good job. But they ran out of LEA, LEPA monies to keep it in operation, and it just sort of dwindled by the wayside. So I started operating out of Houston County and worked there several years. And then it moved to Dale County. And uh, that is where uh, we started working in Troy, with Troy State at Dale County for a little bit. And then we ended up just working in the, in the city of Ozark. And, you know, they sponsored the uh, Branch Academy that we were handling there for several years. So, I'm looking at a set of minutes from the Alabama P Police Officer Standards and Training Commission special meeting, January eighth, two thousand three. Do you remember that meeting? January eighth. Oh yeah, I kind of remember it. <laughs> yep. So tell us what happened in that meeting. We were called to Montgomery to go over certain allegations of things that we have done. Okay. Wrong. So let's back up. Um, so, Mr. Benefield comes to us needing a job at Ozark. Mm -hmm. Now, it's my understanding that he took money appropriated for SWAPA and hired the assistant chief of police 
on as an investigator with a post in violation of their enabling law. Is yeah. that your understanding? Yeah, I didn't realize he was an African assistant chief of police, but he evidently was. Well, I always thought he was just chief of detectives. But. Okay, maybe he was. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm looking at notes that I made okay. three weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so did he come down and investigate prior to this meeting where you got called up there too? He was in the general area, but no. He did. He came in and asked for Oh, yeah. Papers. Yeah, he came in and asked for paperwork and stuff of that nature. But he went he went through my records. Okay. Yeah, that's took right. Took him in the other room, went through them, left, went out to the van, called Mr. Benefield, told him he saw some red red flags. Okay. And does he and, and you don't know what kind of red flags he's talking about. No. Then, was he looking at payroll information? He was looking at, he wanted all checks for two years. Was that right? Two years two of years. all checks. And I gave them to him. And uh, he went to the back. He stayed back there, I don't know, three or four hours. Left, went to the van. And in the meantime, dropped some of my paperwork in the parking lot, left and went to Montgomery, and shortly thereafter, we were called to come to Montgomery. And you had to go pick your own paperwork up out of the parking lot? <laughs> and this was a chain of evidence, apparently? It was. Yes, it was. He walked out the door with, that, with paperwork and all. Okay. So then you get called up here on January 8th, 2003, and they say what? You're on admin leave? Well, they called. Benefield had a unique way of handling commission meetings. He would, uh, they would meet, he would talk, and then you were called in. And when you were called in, they were basically listening to whatever went on, and, you know, everybody tried to talk at one time, things of that nature. And finally they got around to saying, you know, that we think this a bunch of chiefs and sheriffs yeah. who are used to having the floor, right, right. right. They, they they were basically got around to the fact they're saying there we found some wrongdoing, and you know I basically asked what's the wrongdoing, and they discussed a land sale that we did on on pistol range property, and I said you know we've got records on that, we're everything was fine, I but I wasn't worried about anything. I was re- I was very mad at that point, but I wasn't worried about anything because I knew we hadn't done anything wrong, and I figured it would all get ironed out. But at any rate, during the course of that meeting on January the 8th, he ended up removing both myself and Johnny Vines. And so who was left at SWAPA? Debbie Bullman. Okay, and Debbie is still... Employed by the county, yeah, is that right? She, she works down at the sheriff. Her office is at the sheriff's department's pistol range, which they're now calling a post Baldwin County. Oh, Did you know that? I I knew he, she worked at the sheriff's department. Well, pistol so range. I'm sitting here looking at the education trust fund appropriation comparison sheet for 2020 uh, Senate Bill 199, and on it. Uh, under line 300 is Alabama Post Commission Law Enforcement Academy, Space Baldwin County, and there's $90,398 appropriated 
to a post Baldwin County. Wow. Any idea what that could be for? Because my understanding is the young lady that used to work for you is now being paid by the county. And if the sheriff's department has some, you know, they're no longer, they're not doing what you did. Yeah. They're not taking a guy green off the streets, turning him into a certified police officer. Down here, they're doing things like entomology for you know, crime scene detectives to go count maggots on bodies and fingerprinting classes and anything but basic training of police officers, Uh right? I mean, they're doing advanced stuff. I'm sure it's things that we need to be doing, but it's certainly not taking a raw recruit making him, turning 300 raw recruits into police officers, and you did that for how many, 20 years? Yes. At a cost of what? What was your total appropriation for your program, do you think? Uh, maybe we got as high as 80000 once, didn't we? We got special education trust fund money, and we got court cost money. And combined? Maybe four hundred grand. i am no. talking about all I'm, – I'm talking about, like, people paying to come to the school. Oh, and I'm just okay. full tilt oh. revenue, everything, probably four hundred grand is, is, is as much money as I could find on the books. And, of course – I can't find a budget online for 2004, so it was hard to look. But best I can tell, you were turning out about 300 police officers a year for about 400 grand, huh. all told, including them paying to go there. Yeah. Uh, um, and and so, you know, what are we getting for 98 grand? Certainly not what we were getting before. And this was money that was appropriated for the region. Right, so that we'd have somewhere to send folks. Yes. This so, would. so now it's my understanding that there's an academy in Selma. Is that right? There is an academy there. And and so, just walk us through where are the academies now. You are right, the academies now are the city of Mobile. They, you know they and they'll take anybody and train them, or just I, their people. I believe they will. I, I'm not sure. I, I, at one time they were. I know we right after we got out of house, so to speak, after all that occurred. I remember seeing on TV where there's some people from Satsuma, Saraland, and all were being trained in Mobile. So I assumed they were doing that. Okay. And so um, <coughs> so you got Selma. Where, who else do you have? Uh, after you, have you have <clears throat> Montgomery. The Montgomery Police Academy is doing a lot of training. Yes, sir. You've got the Department of Public Safety Academy at, at Selma. Then you have uh, the Tuscaloosa Police Academy. I guess you still have the Jefferson County Sher- uh, Sheriff's Department or uni- or department. But, but they're not a post sponsored. No. Oh no, they're they're totally their own entity. Yes, sir. And then you have Huntsville. So actually, ones that probably are working directly under a post, I would think, would be. Ones that would be getting, I guess, getting money to do training would be Tuscaloosa, Selma, and Jacksonville. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's where the money has been diverted to. My Another question I have is, and I don't see anything in this new law that uh, was amended in 2010 that says that they can have any more than two employees as they originally could have in 71 or whenever they were enabled. Right. So... Who the heck's paying these nine people that work up in Montgomery at A-Post? I stopped by their office. They're in the same building the Ethics Commission is in and uh, the Public Service Commission. So I stopped by their office the other day. There were people everywhere. Huh. Alan Benefield wasn't there. Surprise, surprise. Um, it was just, it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Yeah. I'm sure he's hitting golf ball somewhere. But uh, 
He's, he sure as heck one in his office. Huh. Um, so let's get back to your trial. So yep. it's my understanding that they put you on admin leave. Benefield comes back down with this lady who works for the examiners of public accounts. And I just happened to have her, uh, the transcript of her, um, <laughs> of her testimony, direct examination. And, um, by the time, so, so she came in and did the audit in 2004, four, I guess. I mean, and then I, I guess this is now you were never prosecuted. Is that right? I was not. Um, and I've even got a letter here, uh, dated February 7th, 2005 case number 2003 DG 011 respondent. Uh, Van Davis investigating officer special agent David Green. I'm sure you've seen this. Yes. Uh, Alabama Ethics Commission respondent complaint disposition notification form. And it says you are hereby notified the above reference complaint which was filed against you with the Ethics Commission has been closed after an initial inquiry. This means unless someone provides new or additional information related to this matter, the Ethics Commission will take no further action against you. Correct. Okay. So the Ethics Commission cleared you. Did the Ethics Commission clear you, Ms. Vines? They did, and my letter went with Rick Drummond. Okay, so your attorney yes. got got that. You don't yes. you don't you don't still have it. No. Um, so <clears throat> if you're cleared by the Ethics Commission, who decided to prosecute you? Alan Benefield. Okay, but who local? Who was the DA at the time? Was it Newcom, Judy Newcom, or was it David Whetstone? David Whetstone was still there because he. There was a nifty little article about it. It was a black yeah, eye. It was right before David left. Okay. In the newspaper. Um, and, and yeah, I've got the newspaper article. It says SWAPA investigated DA summoned to retrieve more than $10,000 in alleged misused funds and questionable expenditures. Now, these questionable expenditures and what the examiners actually found was that Ms. Vines um, had been violating the public bid law. By, uh, I understand your husband has a, t a, a screen printing business, and like normally when you when you think of the movie Police Academy, you show up at Police Academy, they give you some sweat clothes, a hat, a bag, all that kind of stuff, and I guess you guys have been unknowingly violating the public bid law by buying things from your husband's company, which was absolutely a violation of the bid law. Nobody's ever disputed yeah. that. Um, what I've never heard of is the examiners coming in for the first time in 20 years, finding a, a violation like that and shutting the whole damn thing down over one violation. Correct. I, I mean, have you ever, I, I've been in public service since 97. I've never heard of that happening before. I have never heard of that happening and I didn't think it was possible that it could be. So, but you got Benefield. <laughs> so that's what happened to y'all. I guess you could say that. Um, so the other interesting thing about uh, the testimony um, in front of Judge Kittrell here of Brenda Taylor, when they ask her, you know, initially, please tell us your name, where are you employed? Do you know where she was employed at the time of Ms. Vine's prosecution? Uh, the examiner's office, I thought. No, sir. 
she had been given the job of chief financial officer at Bishop State Community College. Do you think that might have been some kind of reward? Huh. I mean, she, you're an examiner for 20 years, and the next thing you know, you're the CFO over at a major junior college. Looks like pay to play for me. I don't know her. I, I know she's not still there at yeah. CFO. I called over there, and and they they weren't they weren't aware of her mm-hmm. existence. Um, so besides what happened, any explanation you can think of as to why they wouldn't want a police academy in Southwest Alabama? I, would- I mean, was it duplicative? It seemed like a good, a fair amount of money to turn out the the our, our police officer needs in the state. It was the most cost-effective program they've ever had for training. And the APOST board was never created to run schools. It was created to have a bunch of cops on it who knew what, uh, what the, the accuracy that a police officer needed to be able to fire his weapon or know when to draw it or know what the procedures are when you pull somebody over what the person you know when to call for backup these types of things they were it was never envisioned that they would be directly running any of these institutions it was never started out where they would be running anything and so benefit and and so i'll say it if nobody else will i think benefield's building empire building you know he's got he's he went from uh two employees to three employees then he went in and took over all these schools shut them down reappropriated money um and like i said as far as i can tell they got eight or nine employees up there just looking at their website Mm -hmm. now they may not all be there in the montgomery office but they got a sizable uh office suite for nobody to be in it let's put it that way that's a large office suite so just give me the give me the 20 seconds of of how you feel you were treated by the state of alabama after how many years of service? 30. All I can say is it changed my whole outlook on life in respect to uh, justice and the system as it is. And, well, and, and so, and, and, and just, you know, looking back at the transcript of the trial, yep. I'm sitting here thinking, what's the end game here? Okay, they, they, they find a violation. I've had violations before. I used to be a county administrator. And my job depended on getting a good audit from the examiners. And sometimes they'd find something and say, hey, man, you screwed up here. And I'd have to go to my bosses and say, hey, guys, the examiners found this and I screwed up. Um, Nothing we can't cure. But if they'd have walked in and said, "Uh, Mr. Steele, you're personally responsible for this, you know, whatever, and you're, you know, we're going to prosecute you, it, it just... That's just not something that happens. Well, all I know is when that happened is you immediately grab a lawyer and you go for it. You either stand your ground or you knuckle under. And we didn't knuckle under. We tried to fight it. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And so um, so you were never prosecuted. Is I was, that right? I was never prosecuted. And you were cleared by the Ethics Commission. I was cleared by the Ethics But ethics you were still fired. I was still fired. And all of the people that worked there were fired. fired. Correct. And nobody's ever asked you anything about this in all these years since. I have spent 17 years and never said a word till tonight about anything that occurred at that place when we were going through this. And I watched a very good program get totally gutted. 
And so when the sheriff of Baldwin County says it cost me $120,000 to send a guy off to school, I mean, kind of our fault, right? I mean, the people of Alabama could have, if anybody would have known about this or would have cared about what was going on, it, um, it, it could have been stopped in its tracks at some point. All, so, all we could do is follow the advice of our lawyer. Okay. And keep, so, and keep our mouths shut. And so, where, so, so 2003, you get removed. 2006 or seven, you actually get prosecuted? Uh, 2009, what? It's an o. It's an o five k. They filed it in o five. They may may not have heard it until then. I didn't. Okay, um, that's my question. What was the end game? What was the purpose of this public flogging, so to speak, of someone who ran afoul of the law? I guess. I, I mean, was it? Do Do you consider? I mean, did everybody consider this like an egregious? violation of the public bid law i mean was it i don't think was it, it millions of dollars <laughs> i don't think anybody ever really paid that much attention to it because it went on for so long and like i said we stayed totally quiet in respect to you know when you're in a lot of when you got a lot of people circulating it's best to keep your mouth shut and see you know where it goes you know and, certainly and that's exactly what we did and then when it was over with, it was like it was gone, and you know nobody ever asked our opinion on anything. So the facility that's there, there's a metal building across the street from the main entrance at Faulkner where the red light is. Yeah, it was a furniture shop at one time. So were y'all leasing it? No, we were just, it, the college owns it. So the college owns it. Do you know if they're doing anything with it? I haven't seen any activity over there in a long time. They have continued. So, like adult education or something yeah, like that, it, GED training, GED courses. I've okay. seen that before. So the but, facilities being right. utilized, but not for any kind of law enforcement training purpose. Right. So, I don't know. You've been watching this a while. Uh, is there any end to the Empire Building at A Post? I don't. I don't know. I've tried. I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, and you know, with what we went through, and it's sort of like. Being coming back from a combat, you know, and I can identify with that. You're a little shell shocked, and I'm mean, even after 17 years, I'm a little shocked, you know, that that happened to me. Yes, sir. And that it, I was lit up, and Johnny was lit up. I guess if anything really irritates me about all of this is what happened to her. I mean, I could live with what happened to me, and I could care less what somebody thinks. But the bottom line is, I do care greatly about what happened to her. Sure, and and you guys worked together for how long? Twenty-seven years. Was that that long? Yeah. Sure. Forever. I mean, she she went through audit after audit, and it was spectacular. The stuff that we were able to set. She got. We went down to something like a hundred and twenty-five dollars one year. That expended most of that before our, we got our next funds in. Yes, sir. And the books were perfect. We never had an audit exception when they, we were dealing with all that federal funds. We dealt with reserve training and never had a problem with it. And all of these monies that are coming to a post or to your school through a post was through a special fund that was set up to be assessed upon someone being found guilty of a crime. That's one of the you know the they'll yeah. one of the fines might be an appropriation to the a post C board. Uh huh. And, and it may be $25 per case or something like that. Right. That money goes to AOC. 
then it gets moved over to a post then that money i guess would go to faulkner you don't even know what the mechanics of it were back then do you yeah well is there anything you'd like to say Ms. vines i'm sure you've been sitting there very patiently and quietly you're the one that got steamrolled by these jake legs well you know um no i don't there's nothing i can say other than what van said uh they treated us as hardened criminals from the get-go. Yes, ma'am. And uh, they never questioned us on anything. They just gave us their opinion and what they were going to do to us. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, there was no questioning ever. They never asked me anything. No one ever asked us. When they were doing that audit, when they were doing the, uh, the audit with the examiners and all, I was... We thought we would be called in. Everything was now. Now let me let me let me tell you what I've been told about your dismissal. Uh huh. So when you were put on admin leave at this January eight two thousand three meeting, yeah. Did Alan Benefield follow you back to Baymanet, get the alarm code, take your keys to the building? Is that did that all happen that same day? John Nicholson followed us back. Okay, now he, who's John Nicholson? He was his investigator. His, that you, that, uh, that would, the that fella from, from, from Ozark from that, Ozark, that yeah. needed a job yeah. that he hired to yeah. be the investigator. Yeah, he followed us back. To, he followed us back. And he was being paid by out of swap of funds, but he was reporting directly to Alan Benefield at A-Post. He was not oh. reporting to you even oh. though he was being paid out of your funds. No, he was being, that was exactly how it happened. Okay. And so he came down, he followed you down, got the alarm key, took all your keys, and y'all never set foot back in the building again. I never got out of the car. Van did. I got out of the car, and the the the, uh, the alarm system, but buttons that you push and all were set up in the corner. He opened the door just wide enough that I could reach my hand in and point out the numbers. I mean, like, I couldn't even get my just past my elbow. And said, that's all I need from you. And I said, well, that's fine because that's all you're going to get. That was my exact words. And walked away. Fair enough. Yeah. And walked out and never walked back on. Probably the the most gentlemanly thing I could have said in my life at a moment like that. (laughs) Um, Can I say that Van had a lot of Civil War hands in his office. And he was never allowed to go back in there. Yeah, I never, I, none of the stuff. That was in so it. if I do get a meeting with Benefield <laughs> and there's a bunch of Civil War, Civil War yeah. prints on the wall, we yeah. know where they went. Yeah, we know where they went. And we had a lot of airplane, World War One vintage airplane prints and all. We wanted the place to look good, and we wanted, we wanted it to be a learning institution. I didn't, we didn't fix it up with 500,000 plaques and all law enforcement sayings and all the other stuff. It was a school. It was a school. That's exactly how I approached that thing. And, yes, sir. Uh, and I would do it the same way again. And I, d- I handled the thing. When we we were very, very professional, but I mean, you know, I handled it in a very relaxed manner, much like I did a squadron in Vietnam. I mean, you, I treated them with respect. They treated me, treated me the same way, and it worked real well. Yes, sir. Well, I sure hope that when people listen to this, 
they understand that good thing, terrible things can happen to good people. Yeah, well, I, I sincerely appreciate you giving me the opportunity to say something about it. Well, and, I, you know, thank goodness the technology came along where we could do something like this. Yes. You know, uh, we've been going for 39 minutes, and I'll guarantee you there are people out there that will listen to all 39 minutes yeah, of it. That's good. Well, I certainly appreciate your time, and uh, I hope y'all enjoy it. We're going we'll we'll load it up at the end of our next episode and just let it run. Anybody wants to listen to it is welcome to. We're going to load your um, uh, some of these exhibits for sure, um, and in particular the uh, the the 2020 uh, education uh, budget, and um, also this map that shows where the um, where all this, all these facilities used to be located, yeah. and um, it certainly seemed to work well for a really long time. And I don't know why we throw the baby out with the bathwater and let a guy who knows nothing about running anything run all of the schools in our uh, law enforcement trained facilities in our state. I just, I, I don't get it. It's amazing. So, who all was responsible for the prosecution of these people? Former District Attorney David Whetstone, former District Attorney Judy Newcomb, former Assistant District Attorney, current State Representative Matt Simpson, Sheriff Huey Mack, Alan Benefield, A-Post Board, John Nicholson, A-Post, and the Chancellor of the Secondary Education System uh, was Bradley Byrne, who is now representing us in the U.S. Congress. So... I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll try to bring you some things like this again in the future. And uh, stay safe. There's still a pandemic on you, dipshits. <laughs>